Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, and Chris Beasley as you chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Another packed agenda on today's pod, another busy week full of incident, plenty of goals, and of course, many, many talking points for us to get through. And of course, we will preview tomorrow's trip to Crystal Palace as Everton to maintain their 100% start to the season and it's been uh, it's been an excellent start and Preno an excellent start that carried on at Fleetwood um, at half time it looked like it was going to be one at a canter didn't quite work out like that but still one with plenty of room to spare um, how impressed were you with 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 the evening uh, that unfolded for large quantities of the game, I was enormously impressed. I mean, that first half an hour, 40 minutes performance was absolutely top class. Given the number of changes that Carlo had made, given the threat that you know Fleetwood pose, uh, okay, they're a League One side, let's you know, so not get too carried away. But the dominance and the control Everton exerted and the quality, the way they moved the football was just outstanding. I was thoroughly enjoying it until, shall we say, Michael Keane, you know, had his dodgy back pass or Jordan had his meltdown, whoever you want to give the blame to. And it, it just seemed to, I don't know, undermine it a little. And then, you know, obviously Fleetwood made the change in the second half, tactically uh, looked a little bit more threatening. Uh, and so it wasn't quite the, uh, the, the cancer that we'd anticipated at one stage. But all in all, it was a very, very good performance. Some great goals scored. Did exactly what we hoped they would do in terms of playing with Charleston to allow him to get the goals and get his confidence up. I was a little perturbed to see Dominic Calvert-Lewin starting as well. Not perturbed because I've got anything against the lad. I just think he's so important now to everything that Everson do. And having seen him immediately put an ice pack against the back of his leg after he came off against West Brom, you think, should he really be starting? But he did and he came through it absolutely fine. And no, all in all, it was a very, very good night. And it's just great to see two potentially tricky, you know, so League Cup ties handled with the minimum of fuss and the maximum of entertainment. It was just great. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, regular Royal Blue listeners and people who, uh, who always click on our uh, team selector pieces before mm. every match will know, will know your thoughts on, on team selections for, for yeah. cup games. Well, you, you must have been uh, far happier seeing that starting 11 uh, drop at, uh, just before seven on Wednesday night. Yeah, I said that really, Carlo made a monkey of me really in the previous round and I, I called for the, the full strength lineup, and then he made 10 changes and one with these. But I did feel it would be um, a lot tougher against Joey Barton's um, Fleetwood uh, away from home as well. I think he got the balance just right in, in retrospect. I mean, one of the big things I've always called for is that goalkeepers don't need to be rested for cup games. But I think on this particular occasion... Um, <laughs> The man between the sticks, you know, the regular number one was, the, you know, the ultimately the, the fall guy there. So, yeah, I think, he, like you said, uh, playing Richarlison was a good move because it managed to get him off the mark and um, still, um, obviously, less options um, at the back, although Luca Dean was um, marvellous playing out, um, out of position again at, at, 
at centre back. Yeah, I think I think he got that just right, and I think that was that was proved with the result. Like I said, it's just um, what happened um, was the number one there because I mean. Phew, Jordan Pickford, um, it's, it's obviously a, a real tough night for him, and you know it was really, um, it, you know, it didn't have to be like that. Mm. We will, uh, we will, of course, come on to uh, come on to Pickford and, and mm. discuss his form, his future in, in detail. Gav, um, Preneau was trying to sort of rein his enthusiasm in for, <laughs> for Wednesday night by saying, "Look, it's against the League One club," but I think it's fair to say that we've not always become accustomed to. Um, navigating such ties and such stages of the League Cup in, in with such a flourish, so we're right to be enthused by the performance, are we not? Well, right to be enthused that okay, it was only like a League One club, but it's a Premier League club five two four days before, mm. so um, it's not exactly come out of nowhere that result, has it? In, in some respects, uh, I share Peno's enthusiasm. Um, me and David had the exchange on social media on Wednesday, and Penno said that it's five two one of your favourite scores, Dave. I don't know why, but it just it's not quite anarchy, but it's not quite comfortable. It, it's like somewhere <laughs> in between. There's yeah. enough dramatic tension to keep you on the edge of your seats, but loads of entertainment. I love five twos. Yes. Going back to my very first in 1976. Oh. Bob Latchford got to get his name in every now and then. Managed to score from outside the penalty area, which added an even extra lustre to it. So. Yeah, I was, was going to say is like Penno saying a five-two sometimes give a randomly chaotic view of, of a game, but it wasn't really like that, was it? It was it was a five-nil game or a six-nil game on the balance of uh, balance of play. So I, I, I am enthused by the performance that we score goals. I think. The line-up in the milk cup, milk cup. Now I'm going back there, down <laughs> I? The, Car- the Carabao Cup. I'm only saying milk wow. cup because we got the final of the milk cup, you know. So hopefully we can do the same the Carabao Cup. Mm-hmm. I think this. I think having had very little pre-season and players needing games to build up the fitness and it's back-to-back, three back-to-back games. Then there's a then there's an international break. It's never a fortnight at the start of October. I think it's a short, sharp, shock thing for the for the team. So you are able to play stronger, stronger starting elevens than what you would normally do, say at the end of October. Um, so I think that's helped us. I think in terms of you know the performances and the results. But I'm enthused not just on on Wednesday, which I would have been anyway. But in the context that we scored five, the previous game against West Brom, I think show, showing that actually it wasn't a fluke. So yeah, I'm well, well pleased. It's great, this isn't it? Not, not used to this on podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it's it, it's a strange, it's a strange, uh, yes. strange feeling, isn't it, Preno? Um, before we go back to, um, and I want I want us to talk about Niels and Kunku and, and and maybe Anthony Gordon and a, and a few other players who really stood out um, on Wednesday. But we've got to talk about Jordan Pickford. Um, since he was signed by the football club. The football club have played 140 competitive games. He's started in 132 of them. What does that say to you? Does that say to you, good, we've got a, a stable number one, a clear number one, and he's a good goalkeeper? Or does that say to you that actually there isn't ample pressure being put on him and that's why we get evenings like we did on Wednesday? It's, it says a bit of both there without wanting to sit on the fence totally. Uh, But for two full seasons, we had a very, very impressive performer in goal who earned his international call-up, who established himself as England's number one goalkeeper, and then who justified that inclusion with a series of top-class international performances, including during a World Cup finals tournament. 
Um, since then, there appear to have been concentration issues and lapses. And I know we said last time um, that is it the absence of a crowd inside the stadium? Maybe. I mean, we know how much he plays to the gallery sometimes, certainly when Newcastle United are involved. And, uh, you know, so we hope that maybe a lack of a crowd would allow him to concentrate a little bit more, but it seems to have had the opposite effect. And a couple of issues, you know, this season already. I mean, okay, Spurs, he was excellent. And, you know, mm. part of the reason that we actually won that game, uh, a significant part. But then West Brom, he started sloppily. Now, was it the fact that he was defending the Gladys Street and he had the sun in his eyes? It was a dodgy back pass put to him early doors, which he spooned up into the air, which then planted a little bit of a seed into his mind. And there were a number of issues in that game, none of which were particularly significant. But it seems to be something similar again um, on Wednesday night. Uh, a back pass, which you could possibly blame Michael Keane. I think Carlo was being a bit kind, to be fair, trying to place uh, the blame collectively, because it wasn't. I thought it was Jordan's fault. Um, but you know, he was trying to defend his goalkeeper, but that seemed to play on his mind a little bit. And so, you know, the overhead kick coming so soon afterwards, um, it's almost like he was caught in two minds of quite what to do about it because he was aware of the mistake he'd already made. Now, they are psychological issues that I think goalkeepers can overcome and can get the better of. I mean, obviously, Neville Southall spoke out this week, and he would say that because he is a very, very you know, voluble defender uh, of Everton goalkeepers. Um, but he doesn't normally just like, back players for the sake of it. If he thinks somebody's crap, he will say so. And he obviously does believe that Jordan Pickford is a decent goalkeeper. I do myself. I just think he's got a few issues at the moment that he needs to overcome. So I understand why there's a lot of uh, social media calls for him to be turfed out of the football club and give Jai Virginia his chance. I don't agree with them. I think, you know, he's going through a tricky spell. Uh, the manager has said what you expect the manager to say and got fully behind him um, in the press conference today. And obviously he will play tomorrow and hopefully he'll have a performance like he gave against Tottenham on the opening day. He's not as bad as some, you know, some supporters are making out. But equally, he is going through a bit of a rocky spell. I think we've got to get behind him, really, and got to keep faith with him. I don't think there's sufficient mistakes at the moment to make us think, oh, my God, it, it, we've got to get rid. Uh, I don't mm. think it's like at that stage yet. Mm. Chris, you, you've been a long, a long-standing um, supporter and backer of Jordan. Yeah. Certainly, in, in previous seasons when he's coming, yeah. he's coming for criticism. Do you still, do you still have that feeling, despite um, you know, Wednesday night, and, and and certainly we're factoring in the end of last season, certainly as well, when there were some issues. Are you still, are you still yeah. behind Jordan as Everton's number one? Yeah, I am. I actually echo what um, Dave say because I don't think the issues are with his ability. Um, as, as a shot stopper, we all know how, how good he is. And actually with the ball at his feet, it's how good he is. But we should make that an advantage rather than a disadvantage for Everton. I, I don't think he's lacking in confidence as such. I think the problem is almost the other way round at times in that he was too cocky there when he, he was a bad back pass, but he should have just um, hit it straight upfield. But because he is confident with the ball at his feet, he thought he could take that extra touch and then that played him into trouble. You know, I, I like the idea that Everton have got Jordan Pickford. They've got this young lad they took from Sunderland, you know, and now England's number one. We've got to keep reminding everyone that Everton have never had that before, a regular England number one. It is a unique position and with that position comes a lot of extra um, stresses and uh, you're in the spotlight um, a, a lot more. But a lot of the problems seem to be of his own making like he said that he, he didn't have to do that and like as Dave said then because of the mistake for the first one 
I mean, the second one was an honest mistake. At least he tried to stop it, but I get, you can't get away from it. You know, it was, it was an absolute howler. So, yeah, I don't have any sort of fears over his ability. As Dave said, it, it's just something that's obviously playing on him mentally in whatever respect, whether you call that concentration, whether it lapses or whatever. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's hurting him at the moment. And it is strange that it's coming, like we said, in those empty stadiums, because in the past it had been the problem, as we've been mentioned there, at Newcastle United, where... You know, it was a wild performance. He got away with it a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, where he was playing to the gallery, you'd think here in the empty stadiums, it, it would be better. But, and I mean, it, it is it is concerning. There's no doubt about that because it made what should have been a walkover. At least it did happen in a Carabao Cup game, which was easily won. So, at least there's that thing. It didn't happen, you know, in a tight Merseyside derby this time. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is a concern. But, yeah, I, I, I think that um, I'm certainly still back him uh, overall and hopefully he can, he can uh, iron out those mistakes. Gav, Carlo um, uh, earlier this afternoon was asked pretty directly at a press conference uh, in front of the cameras, um, do you want to sign a, a new goalkeeper before the deadline? We are not looking for this. Uh, and went on to say Jordan is a fantastic goalkeeper and that he has his full backing. Um, I suppose many of us did not expect him to say anything different. Um, that's what he said in public. Do you think he's saying the same in private? Uh, I, I suggest he probably is. Um, I, I think one of the things Jordan's got in, in two things in his favour is um, one, you know, that we need to get other players rather than bring players in. And the second thing, if we do want to bring players in, the goalkeeper's not necessarily the priority. There's other positions that brought up at the press conference today that we met. They talk about so he had you know he's not the the biggest problem in the team to to overcome so I would suggest that Carlo is probably saying the same well I would hope he's saying the same things in private because you share what Tish and, and Preno were saying um, I think for me Pickford's it, it is a concentration thing for me I get the impression that the more busier he is the better goalkeeper he is <laughs> it, it's yes, probably. It's probably no coincidence that his two best seasons as a keeper was 16-17 at Sunderland and 17-18 at Everton when we tanked for most of the season and he was our player of the year. Uh, I think the busier the game and the more you know, the, the more he's got to concentrate, I think he's a far better goalkeeper. I think also as well linked with that is he probably takes a bit of time to get into games. I don't think he comes out of the, the dressing room fully fired up and focused. I think it maybe it takes a bit of time to get into things. I mean, those two goals are on uh, during the week. We're straight after half-time, Andy, um, basically. The, the, the West Brom games at the start of the game, wasn't it, you know, where he messed up the back pass. Just wondering whether he needs time then to get into a game. But I think that it's maintaining that concentration. If the game's slack like it was on during the week, and I think that's when sometimes he's at his most vulnerable. You know, I think I think he'd be he looks a far better goalkeeper when he's facing 10, 15, 20 shots a game. Mm. Yeah, no, I know you say it's almost like you're saying that certainly on Wednesday night when he was not involved at all. You know, Fleetwood had no attempts on target, etc. It's almost like he goes looking for trouble and finds it, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That I've got a few opportunities to show show how good I am. So I'll tell you what, I'll start thinking and Franco Berezi. On our penalty, you know, on our on our, on our goal line, mm. and and I do think, you know, if Everton can, in a strange way, 
Everton haven't done anything this season by being so good up top and having like 80 odd shots on target. The one good game he's had, or like out of the three, is at Spurs, isn't it? When we're probably a little bit more under the cotch a bit uh, and they're going to pressure us. That's his type of game. And, and I do think the busier he is, the better the keeper he is, the slacker the game, the more vulnerable he is, because I just think it's a concentration issue. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we know what he's like, and, you know, you've only got to see him sometimes the way he reacts. I wonder what goes through his mind when the ball's at the other end of the pitch for mm. 80% of the time. You know, and and, that, and that's what the great goalies do, don't they? Uh, the great goalies might have nothing to do for 89 minutes, but that one minute when they're called into action, they're still top quality, and Jordan isn't sometimes, and, and that's that's what he's got to learn, I suspect. And then, then there'd be no problems for me. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to... Um... Other other players from Wednesday night and, and at the other end of the uh, of the rating spectrum. Um, Prenner, who was who was your man of the match and, and tell us why they impressed you on Wednesday? Um, it's got to be the left back and Konku. He's just I, I was waiting for his statistical analysis of performance to drop, and I was a little bit dismayed when I saw you know the number of crosses that he put. I think there was six attempted crosses two successful crosses like two successful what constitutes a successful cross to me delivering a ball into the danger area is a successful cross and i suspect that because the strikers for whatever reason weren't switched on enough to get on the end of them uh, that you know meant that his, his figures you know dropped a little bit um and why they were deemed as like unsuccessful crosses but i just think generally his performance was like so refreshing and so exciting and you know i totally accept that we haven't seen him in a defensive situation yet called upon uh, to show his defensive you know resolution and discipline and obviously in the premier league he would be you know asked to do that uh, he's been allowed to get forward uh, with free reign but he's done that so so effectively uh, he's direct uh, he only has you know an idea in his head to get into space and get the ball in with as much quality as possible, which he did regularly over and over again on Wednesday night. But then equally, that that assist for the final <laughs> goal, you missed it at first. You thought, has he really done that? Then you see it again and, and you know, re replay and you think, oh my word, that's just like such invention and such technique. Uh, so just wonderful performance all the way through. But I've got to say Bernard as well played really, really well in a central role. And so I was equally impressed with him. And it sounds like you, know, you can go through the whole team. Anthony Gordon came on and made a really massive impact as well straight away. So again, we can go through an Everton performance and highlight a number of you know positive uh, performances from start to finish, which is great. But for me, yeah, Nkonku was the guy that like really stood out. And that's not even mentioning the guy that scored two goals, Richarlison. So. <laughs> we just we just become accustomed to it to him performing well though haven't we uh, Chris um, I, I was I thought we would the conversation would come on to in Cancun. Um you know two games now it's early days of course and, and, and it's been two games against football league opposition but are you are you are you liking what you see so far do you do you, do you um, the closer we get to deadline are you more and more comfortable with the idea that, that Niels will be effectively the backup to Luca Dean this season yeah, I mean, it's been a real fine, to be fair. Um, we were all hoping that uh, Leighton Baines would sign on for, an, for another year. And uh, obviously, uh, one of the club's greatest servants, one of the arguably one of the club's greatest ever left-backs, decided to call it a day. It's a shame that it came at a time when there were no fans in the stadium, but obviously he thought the time was right. And all of a sudden, Everton were 
looking for a, an understudy to Luca Dean. I mean, you've got to hope at least Dean's injury record means that he does tend to play most of the time. So whoever was his understudy, and I think that was probably part of the frustration for, for Leighton Baines those last couple of years, was he wasn't getting uh, much game time when he did ke- come in. He was always, you know, solid as ever and slotted in seamlessly like he'd never been away. But, you know, when you're only making a handful of appearances, um, he was probably hastens his decision to, to, to hang up his boots. But yeah, um, as considering that um, he'd not, you know, played senior football at Olympic Marseille, I think it's it's a real fine for the club. And um, we've, we've seen across the park how much they've had to, you know, splash out, um, you know, on an understudy le- left back basically. So yeah, I mean, he saved the club uh, a lot of money there, and obviously he's spent a lot of money on areas um, where they've not had to in in recent years, or on signs who flat to deceive. So to pick up a bargain like this, and uh, you know, a young prospect who can hopefully only get better, you know, yeah. Goes well for the future. I'd certainly at the moment say that, yeah, I'd, I'd be comfortable with having him as a, a second choice left back. Gav, um, Preno touched on Anthony Gordon. I don't know whether it was just my vantage point from from the ground, you know, football league ground, you're much closer to the pitch. And he, and when he came on in the second half, you basically played right in front of me for most of it, other than when he, he switched sides briefly. But, but Anthony Gordon for me was was absolutely superb in, the, in his 45 minutes on the pitch. And for anybody young or old who needed an example of how to sort of go about taking your opportunity and, and doing everything you can to show the manager that you, 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 you're worth a shot, he, he did that. What does Anthony Gordon have to do? And it's not even to get, to get into the starting eleven anymore. What does he have to do to be in the squad for Palace? Because he's been omitted for the games yeah. for Spurs and West Brom. Um, carry on the same as, as time will come, you know, carry on with the same attitude on or off the pitch. I think Carlo said he might be an impressed where he challenged them. Uh, and I think just do what he's doing at the moment and work hard on the training pitch. The one, one thing I noticed a little bit um, on Wednesday is, is, is he a little bit too desperate to get a goal at the moment, perhaps? Um, I think, I think, um, I mean, he gets a goal. He could go up, goes through strange things. The players don't be go up even more, even higher. But not not a lot more, I think, than what he's doing at the moment. He's he's making the best of what limited game time he's having. So things just work hard, show the right attitude, laying off players like James Rodriguez, see how they handle themselves. I'm sure there'll be a bit of that. And there's not a lot more he can he can do. Um, Phil, to be fair, just one thing on Niels and Kunku is mm. I'm wondering whether his future is at left back. I'd like to see him. I think if he turns out, if he's, he's good defensively, he's, he's six foot, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Something like that. He's six foot. He's not, not 20 yet. So he's going to fill out a little bit more and he's probably, get, you know, he's going to be a little bit naturally bulk up a little bit over the next couple of years. Just wondering if he can defend because he's obviously good on the ball. Whether he might move into centre half or even into into centre midfield, centre midfield, there are those say could play left wing. You know, Gareth Bale started as a left back, didn't he? Um, I'm just wondering whether it, whether he'll be, naturally be too bulky for left for the left for being left back. You don't often see. I mean, I know Brighton have got a lad, haven't you? Don't often see six foot one. You know, physically robust. Fullbacks, do you? I'm just wondering whether his future, if he can, I mean, he only had two games, to be fair. Yeah. I'm just wondering the way he bulk, the bulk, as he bulks up over the next couple of years, and he is, does develop whether his future is actually in a different different part of the pitch. 
Yeah. But compliments to him, though, because obviously, Gav, you're already, you're already uh, playing him in the midfield too in I, I, I think, I think I think him and Alan next year, I think, is a boy, you know. <laughs> no, he's, he's play, I think what I'm saying is here is players start a fullback, but then physically develop so they're not necessarily suited to being playing fullback anymore. And because of their skills, they, they move elsewhere on the pitch. And of course, who grows up wanting to be Gary Neville, as Jamie said. Well, I think Jamie actually started a bit midfield. He played fullback, didn't he, when he first faced with Liverpool? So. And he went into centre half. So I think um, Niels would be like doing Monday night football then in twenty years' time. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do like I do like the thought of him that if he does develop, that we may see him move elsewhere and you know on the pitch. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a quick one, because uh, whenever we pod, you, you do kind of have uh, strong opinions about Moyes Keane. Something that just sort of occurred to me um, yesterday, he scored twice this season, both in the League Cup, once against Salford, once against Fleetwood, and hasn't looked overly happy when he scored. There was no celebration. Yeah. He scored the goals and just kind of, yeah, you hugged, hugged his teammate, trotted back to the centre circle. Am I reading too much into this? Have we got an unhappy? No, not at all. It was, it was com- commented upon in our household, not by myself, but by uh, other people watching the, uh, the game. So why doesn't he look pleased? And, you know, there's two ways of interpreting it, I suppose. Um, the fact that he hasn't started the match um, and, you know, he's, he's making a point to, um, to the manager. I'm thinking back quite some time now to when uh, Duncan Ferguson was once dropped by Joe Royal and uh, came on against Sunderland and um, scored an equaliser. We got beat 3-1 in the end, uh, but Duncan's reaction uh, was pointed, shall we say, and, uh, and Joe afterwards was, was laughing about it. He says, yeah, uh, Sensor Ford was quite pleased to make a point to me, wasn't he? And uh, he was quite pleased about it. Now, whether Carlo Ancelotti will be you know, relishing the same kind of attitude, um, you know, a, a player that clearly is unhappy not to be starting games. I mean, I said before, He's not for me. He's not done enough to show that he deserves to start a game at the moment. Uh, he's took his two goals very well, uh, but he's equally, you know, so missed other chances, and he's not really made things happen. Doesn't hold the ball up well enough for me. He, he looks a bit like uh, an erratic loose cannon at times. But clearly, there is some talent there that you know the club are prepared to build um, and indulge him. But I think it just might help him a little bit if he did look a little bit happier. You know, if he did send a message out, you know, to the fans that are watching to say, "Look, I'm enjoying life here." You know, okay, I want to be playing more, but you know, equally when I'm scoring goals, I'm pleased about it. You know, there's nothing better than seeing somebody's beautiful shining visage, you know, smiling, you know, when they've scored a goal. Andy Gray was a master of it. Whenever he scored a goal or whenever anybody else scored a goal, nobody else was happier than him. And as a result, you love those players because they share the same enthusiasm that you've got for the football team. And when a player doesn't show that, it looks like he's sulking a little bit. And I don't think it, you know, so does him 
any good in the eyes of the supporters. Maybe I'm reading far too much into it. I don't know. But yeah, I don't think it does him any favours to be seen to be looking a little petulant, shall I say, uh, you know, when he's done the difficult thing and scored a goal. Mm. And it's two and two for him. So uh, yeah, yeah. hopefully that, that run of scoring continues because Chris, uh, in his press mm -hmm. conference, Carlo Ancelotti believes that any striker playing behind James Rodriguez plus the other <laughs> midfield options Evan have got should be getting at least 20 goals this season. And if they don't, then basically Carlo's going to have a problem with them. So uh, he's saying that Calvert Luna Richarlison is the main front, front player, should be getting at least yeah. 20. And he also chucked Moise Keane in there saying, well, he's got two already. There's no reason why he shouldn't get 20. Um, <laughs> if, 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 if Everton's three strikers end up with 60 goals this season, then I think we're all going to be very happy come the end of May. Yeah, it, 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 it's good to hear, isn't it, for once, rather than managers playing down expectations, um, uh, playing up, giving them a, a target to aim for, something and, you know um, difficult to, to try and achieve. But yeah, you've got you to aim for the top. Carlo's been at the top all his managerial life. Like we were mentioning last weekend, the West Brom game, how um, he's trying to get a bit of uh, people in Zaggy out of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And yeah, he, he really has come on leaps and bounds. We think about what um, Dominic Calvin Lewin was like a year or so ago. We're all saying what you know, what a good lad he is. We've known that from the start, but what a good all-round striker he's got. The only thing he's missing is that real killer instinct, that um, sort of um, fox-in-the-box mentality. And he, to be fair, you know, as a fully grown man, as, 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 as you know, he's, he's not, you know, a teenager starting out now. He's sort of developed that over the past few months. And I think that's the hardest thing to teach a striker. If you've not got that natural born instinct, the sort of things, you know, a Gary Lineker, a Jimmy Greaves sort of uh, finishes to sort of learn that on the job as it was under Carlo Ancelotti. That's, that's terrific. So, yeah, he's certainly shown that he can get the best out of his um, strikers there and sort of given them those, those sort of, almost tough targets to meet. Um, hopefully, we'll bring the best out of them. Any uh, any kids listening, ask your grandparents about Jimmy Greaves and who he is. We're not afraid of historical references on this pod, but Jimmy Greaves is a good one, Bees. That's, uh, that's one for, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. youngsters to look up. Um, Gavin, but in, in, in terms of Dominic, and, and Chris makes a good point, because it feels to me like... He, 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 there's so much faith has been put in him as Everton's number nine that the team and the, and the formation has changed, which means he no longer has to make those unselfish runs. He no longer has to run the yeah. channels and plough that lone furrow. And there's a belief that actually, Dominic, we believe that you're good enough just to be a, a straightforward number nine who'll score goals every week. Yeah, I, I thought Carlo's comments about Dominic in the press conference were fascinating actually about somebody asked him about like his development and he said like it's essentially said his development works already being done that mm. what he needs now is consistency so he didn't really say oh we need technically he needs to do this that and the other he's saying he, he, it sounds if like he's already feeling that he's obviously there's always rough edges to smooth but that he's, he's pretty much doing what he wants him to do I won't say finished article, but you know what I'm saying. And and I think Carl, Carlo, that was quite a fascinating bit. He obviously rates him very highly. I mean, the, the two, the couple of things I would say about DCL is, is A, I mean, I think you've got to have a natural attitude. I mean, finishing, you can teach, teach people, you've got to have naturally to do it and naturally be able to do it. And the other thing is, is how hard he's worked. I mean, every, I mean since he, he, he first, 
his first game was the game on the Coombe, wasn't it, against Arsenal in the 2-1 game, which is nearly four yes. years ago. And I think, wow. well, I don't know how many managers we've had in that time, five, isn't it? And every manager has always picked him. And what has always managed me, Koeman did, didn't he? Pick, he's basically been picked in every game. It says a lot for how highly managers rate him and how hard he's worked. And he's just getting the, um, I think he's getting the rewards for that. Um, having said that, he's still got, you know, missed what Carlo's probably alluding to. Didn't score the last nine games of last season, did he? And looked way off the pace. So, you know, he wants him in sure now he hasn't got another nine game mm. goalless uh, sequence in, in front of him. Um, and, and I like the 20 goals a season uh, thing from Carlo. I like the way as well he said to, uh, he said to, and he said when Ronaldo played in front, in yeah. front of Rodriguez, <laughs> he scored 56 goals. Yeah. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm not asking you to score 56. So <laughs> you think, you think, you know, I'm being pretty fair by just asking you to score 20, not 56. <laughs> yeah. And, and well, I thought, I thought that was quite a nice, nice, uh, nice line that. No, yeah, I agree, Gavin. Actually, what I also made me think when I heard Carlo say that earlier this afternoon, I was thinking, that sounds to me like the start of his pitch to Farhad, probably back in March, when he said, Farhad, we need to go and sign James Rodriguez. Ronaldo scored 56 goals when he signed him. <laughs> yeah. You can just imagine that being part of the conversation, can't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and then, and then we have Ronaldo as well, please, Farhad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I think it was. I thought it was. I thought it was some incessant comments there. I know. I know he's saying it in a jocular way. I think about about his strikers, but it was incessant specific comments about Calvert Lewin. But incessant to see what he said. He said the Charleston Calvert Lewin won twenty goals. And then he, he remembered Moyes Keane, didn't he? Over Moyes Keane, as and then he made Moyes scored his last two last two games. So uh, I thought that was an entertaining and enlightening. Uh, little bit of the press conference that absolutely it, it underlines basically the mood around the place at the moment he was in very very good form didn't even yeah. throw in as well that um if i was playing you know in front of those two i would score goals and, yeah you know, whoever was asking the questions obviously started laughing and he's like why are you smiling it's true yeah I've, I've just looked at his goals record he got one in 26 internationals for italy and he got 10 and 112 for milan so maybe he was just speaking a little tongue in cheek in that press conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had Marco Van Basten playing in front of the land, though. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. But it did underline there's a real mood of, you know, bubbly optimism. And you can imagine that's transmitted in the dressing room as well. Everybody's obviously yeah. in a good place at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that optimism, Chris goes down to Selhurst Park with us uh, tomorrow. Um, mm. We expect he'll make changes again, uh, bringing in. The cavalry, Allen, was obviously given the opportunity to go back to Naples this week, wasn't he? Hamas Rodriguez come back in, Mina, uh, Decore, etc., etc. Um, but we've every right to be confident, though, haven't we? Top of the table clash, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have yeah. thought it? Yeah, battling up for the Champions League places with uh, Roy Hodgson's mob. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah. It's, 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 I remember obviously we mentioned it the other week about you know getting the points on early doors and getting off to a good um, start in the season and the team of 0405 and uh, they went down to Palace didn't they famously on the the, the opening day of the, the entire season there uh, it was all the doom and gloom after Wayne Rooney was on his way out um, they just finished the previous season on 39 points and they went down to Palace and uh, got that famous I think it was 3-1 victory to set them up so a, a repeat of that would be um, be nice um also, again, with the 
the lack of fans, I think that could uh, play a, a big um, factor going down to Crystal Palace. Um, one of the most vociferous um, fan bases in, in London. And they say what you like about Palace. You know, their fans are always get right behind them. And uh, yeah, of course, got every um, right to go in there optimistic. But to be fair, then Palace will probably be thinking the same way themselves. Absolutely. Gav, you obviously have uh, dropped some uh, some stats and some facts ahead of the game into my uh, inbox. Far more yeah. optimistic than the Spurs ones a few weeks ago. But of course, <laughs> um, you, you did bring back the memories of the fact that I've sat through and endured back-to-back nil-nils at Selhurst. Yeah, yeah. Will we avoid yeah. another one? I, I also remember, Phil, I think it was the game that Coleman scored. He did some video for the Echo afterwards and looked possibly the coldest person I've ever seen in history <laughs> oh, yeah. at uh, yes. Selhurst Park. Yeah. January 2017, was it? No, God, there was a gale ripping through the ground at just that yeah. moment as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I think Palace was started as well. Get the impression of Palace. He's rather playing there than at than home, wouldn't you? I think their strengths, as you've seen in Man United last week, and I've seen in Man United the day before, and the, is they're, they're a far better team when uh, they've allowed. And, and this is a Hodgson trait, hasn't it, all his, all his managerial career. He's more of a counter-puncher, isn't he, as a, as a manager rather than somebody who's on the front foot uh, throughout the game. And I think with Palace, that you know the players they've got, obviously, you know, you know, we know who they are. They can, uh, they can hurt, yeah, but I think they can hurt you more on your own ground than down there. And so it would be interesting to see how we set up tomorrow in terms of, you know, especially when we've got, you know, I say Rodriguez, and we've got our front three weather, might just play a little bit tighter. Having said that. Why, why play it tight? We've scored. I mean, is it fourteen goals? Was it fourteen yeah. goals in four games? Confidence is flying. You know, impose your. They might be looking at us now tomorrow and thinking, they've scored ten goals in a week. I only had half a team in one of them. I'd be <laughs> against. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a tough game for us. Uh, so maybe I'm a bit too negative. I'd rather play him, still rather play him down there though, but we have got the players and the and the belief and confidence at the moment to uh, to win. I haven't said that four of the last seven games, as I told you, Phil, down there have been goalless. So we'll be talking <laughs> on Monday, be five hours of eight, won't it? You know. <laughs> um Preno, at this stage last season or in the corresponding fixture last season, um I was heading down to uh, to South London the night before the game and, and we just managed to sit back and finally be done with the Wilfreds are hard talk. The deadline had been and gone. Bids, no bids. A crazy, a crazy period. Twelve months on, his name continues to be, albeit yeah. tentatively linked. Um, I just wondered your thoughts on whether it's a player that we've missed out on, or have we, uh, have we sort of not done done well? Not to get him, if you know what I mean. But are, are we are we okay? And are we are we still fine that, that Zaha? I, I, I think we've dodged a bit of a bullet personally. I mean, he's a talented lad, no doubt whatsoever about that uh, on his day, you know, but his days tend to come along every four or five weeks. Then he'll go missing for two or three weeks. And that was underlined where he had his shot at the big time, you know, when he got his move to Man United and uh, it never really worked out for him. And he's always seems to have been there or there about since because people see these performances on match of the day when, you know, he takes teams to the cleaners, but then, you know, he doesn't do it consistently enough whether that would change if he moved to a, a different club, I don't know. But is he 28 now as well? I mean, I know we've just signed a 29-year-old in, in you know, James Rodriguez, but um, he's an absolutely stellar talent, whereas Zaha, at his age, is still in that bracket potential. 
you know, somebody that could become a very, very good player. And so given the, the transfer fee that Palace would have wanted for him, no, I think we're better off, you know, so much better off looking elsewhere. Um, he's going to be a threat tomorrow, no doubt about it. Uh, but, but I just think that this could be a very different game to what we normally see at Sellers Park. I mean, I was looking at the the, uh, the games recently and it is at Goodison. We normally do okay. Last three seasons, we won by a couple of goals, 3-1, 2-0, 3-1. But down there, like you say, it's normally a grim war of attrition. The last seven, nil-nil, nil-nil, two-two. That was a bit of an aberration. One-nil, nil-nil, one-nil, nil-nil. But that was then. You know, you're looking at it now, and Palace have started the season really well. You know, they've, they've managed to score early goals, which they haven't done for a couple of seasons, and uh, over two and a half goals in a couple of games for the first time in a while. And yet our output is just. It's just transformed phenomenally. You know, we're having a ridiculous number of shots in a game now. Um, I think Hammers himself was responsible for eight efforts on goal. Um, and, you know, in his, his first couple of games, you know, he's actually making things happen in and around the penalty area. Not just himself, he's opening things up for other players as well. Uh, so we're looking like a much better balanced team. And I thought after that Spurs performance that we probably are a team better suited for playing away from home, controlling the game, allowing you know sort of teams to come onto us, and then hitting them, you know, sort of Hammers finding the spaces, Andre mm -hmm. Gomez finding the spaces in between the lines. I mean, it's a very very small sample size so far. We've only played two Premier League games, uh, but you know, so you, you can't really draw any kind of conclusions. But I just thought in that game, we look quite well set up here to be going away from home and, and punishing teams. We'll find out. Because, you know, Palace normally are decent on their own patch. And I think a lot of that, as Chris says, is down to the support base, which they haven't got at the moment. So, you know, there's no reason why we should be concerned. I thought they were dead lucky against Southampton on the opening day. I know they won, but Southampton were okay that day. Probably deserved something from the game. The United-Palace game was a, a strange one, full stop. Uh, and again, you know, VAR, a few, couple of dubious decisions went against United. So, I don't know, nothing to be feared for. I, I think we can go down there and do okay. But it's still very early in the season. We don't know for sure. But there's a sense of confidence now about Everton. We're beginning to trust them. Don't want to get too carried away, but we're starting <laughs> to trust them. <laughs> Indeed. And of course, uh, Pranella, as you said, Hammers pulling the strings and not even not even getting out of second gear. No sprints against West Brom and he played so well. <laughs> he doesn't need to sprint when you're that good a footballer. You see the game in front of you. It's in your head. you know, So you can spot the, uh, the openings without having to sprint and go past players. Uh, it's just, he's playing the style of game, you know, his qualities uh, are built for, you know, some players like Richarlison have got the skill set to go past you know, players. Rodriguez doesn't need to do that. Uh, it, it's looking like a nice balance, to be perfectly honest. Mm, absolutely. Okay, uh, customary predictions time then before we wrap up today's pod. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Crystal Palace versus Everton. Tomorrow at Selhurst Park, three o'clock. Uh, what's your prediction? Yeah, I'd like to think Everton go back to keeping a clean sheet, but I'm not so sure. So I'm going to say one all. One all. Okay. Okay. Gav. I was. I've been delighted uh, the fact we won our last two games five two on the basis that keeps me ahead in the prediction league because unless somebody was <laughs> smoking something, they shouldn't have been a doubtless uh, somebody put well, five two's prediction. I must say though, Gav. Sam Carroll's um, prediction of 6-1, I just assumed would be put on the, slapped on the Fleetwood uh, Town changing room door by Joey Barton as, as, as yeah. motivation. But it, but it almost came it almost in. almost so. came off, yeah. After 40 minutes, you'd have thought, could yeah. be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that actually, Phil, so I'll, uh, yeah, save me a bit of hassle on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, I, 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 I think, going to, contrary to the goalless draws, I think we've got enough 
to win. You said 3-1, 2004, 5. Mm. Um, a game which Preno can remember, it was described as the earliest six relegation six-pointer <laughs> time in league history. We're <laughs> still in the middle of August, you know. Uh, so I'm going to go... Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go through... I'm going to go 3-1 Everton. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm confident with my predictions on Everton at the moment. Preno? Well, anybody that picks up tonight's echo will see the pundit predictions that myself and Tom <laughs> Phillips do, and we'll see that I've gone for a 2-0 Everton away win. But I have to make those predictions quite a way in advance. And that was certainly done before the Fleetwood game. <laughs> Not so sure now about the clean sheet. Uh, I'm confident in Everton going down there and winning. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, Yerry Mina looked a little bit shaky against West Brom. Obviously, Jordan, we've you know, talked about his performances. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 as well. Just the number of shots that we're having on targets at the moment and the number of opportunities we're creating, we're capable of scoring three. Whether we're capable of keeping a clean sheet and lots of shots, I'm going to go for 3-1. Plus the fact, Gavin's top of the league. He's got the Midas touch. So whatever Gavin says, just copy it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. That should be a rule of the podcast anyway, for now, you know. But uh, no, I think... And, oh, by the way, points of order. Why can... Oh, you know, Penrose makes two predictions. One for the Echo and one for the podcast. I think we should always keep them to the Echo one. Wow. We can't have a rethink. I think that's unfair. Football changes. It only takes a minute to score a goal. Score a goal, players yeah. Players get injured. You know, it's a yeah. it's a very very fluid thing. Football. Hedging is best. Yeah. No, no. Three one. Three one. I'm sticking with. Uh, I'm obviously, if it finishes two 0 I've shot myself in the foot. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think it'd be two 0 I think uh, I think we'll keep Palace out and uh, score uh, score score early and score late just to uh, just to finish it off. But. Uh, <laughs> Well, a couple of draws. I think, I think Sam's gone for a draw. We need to get Adam's uh, prediction in there as well at some point. But, uh, yeah, that's we will wrap up, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. As always, good stuff. Plenty of stuff. We've got our teeth stuck into there. Pickford and Cancun and Golden and various other things. So, really good podcast. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.